Hello, listeners. You are listening to Historical AF, or, if you cuss like we do, Historical As Fuck. We are two librarians and a historian bringing the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed straight to your ear holes. I'm Keena. I'm Natalie. And I'm Ashley. This is episode 20, Asylums, part one. Yeah. <laughs> It's finally happening! I get to talk about my thesis project! All of Kina's dreams are coming true. Oh my god. <laughs> Two years of my life, you guys. Two years! I oh, spent yes. writing this. Natalie and I are basically going to be the chorus on this episode, while Kina sings Supreme. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited. Yep. So yeah, Kina, you're weak. How was it? Okay, so I saw Steve-O at a comedy club, right? I forgot about that. So I was like, okay, it's Steve-O. I got to go, right? And I'm like, how does this work? He doesn't do stand-up. So I was very just, I don't know what's going to happen. But it was so jackassy. It was set up like he was going to sit down and talk about, it's called the bucket list tour. So he's like, okay, so I made this bucket list. And then he'll talk about what he, like one thing on his bucket list. And then he showed a video. But it was like NC-17 jackass. It was times 20 anything I've ever seen before. <laughs> I've never seen so many dicks, so much. I've never gagged before watching a comedy <laughs> show before. I literally almost vomited. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and at first I was like, they're not going to show. Oh, they're showing that. Okay. Anyway, a lot of things happened. It was really gross. And I've never gagged before. And it was more than shock, I think. Like, there's the shock factor. But it was just, like, literally something. It was so gross. But it was funny. Deke was like, it was such male humor, like macho dude humor. They were all rolling. Oh, good Lord. Well, that's fun. And the good news is you looked really cute. Oh, thanks. I had fun. (laughs) And he was like, cool. Like afterwards, he was like, I'm going to take a picture with every single person in here. But there was 200 people. I was like, I'm not waiting. So I left like an asshole. But it was like midnight and I'm old. Yeah, no, that's way too late. And the line was not moving because they had VIP go first and they were getting like autographs and talking and stuff. And I was like, I just want to go to bed. Yeah, no. All the I saw Margaret Cho is coming. Oh, cool. And a bunch of other people. So yay, San Antonio. For real, San Antonio gets some really good stuff. I know. I'm pretty pretty pumped. I really love comedy. So yeah, I'm excited to be in Shreveport. So I'll have access to stuff like that soon. Mm -hmm. So Natalie, how was your week? Well, I went to Mystery Science Theater 3000. Do y'all know that show? Absolutely. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now some of the original cast, like the guys that play Crow and Tom Servo and Mike, they now do it live. Oh, cool. Yeah. I believe it's normally in film. I don't remember. Anyways, they, they go to a movie theater and they're on a stage and they're showing the movie while they're making fun of it and they broadcast this live so you can go to a movie theater near you so you can watch the movie and hear them and their their live audience so sometimes like the laughter is twice as loud because you're with people with right to and there so that where they are and it's it's just so funny to hear them in I went to see Kroll. That was a while back ago. And Kroll is so... It's so bad. It has... Who does it have? I don't know. It's got some famous actors in it that... 
would that you wouldn't picture. So I won't spoil that for you. But I remember once there's like the bad guys are attacking this kingdom and the I hate they're just lighting shit on fire. And all of a sudden, one of them says, like, suck it, hey, man. Like, fire just ignites. <laughs> it was it's very nerdy humor. And there's one part where you see a big canyon, and it makes, like, an oval shape, the canyon. And all of a sudden, you hear the guy that plays Crow, you hear saying, it's the Holy Cooter. And it's <laughs> priceless. Love it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So, awesome. And they, they do old videos, too, of, like, of McGruff and stuff, too. Like, McGruff. Do y'all know who McGruff is? Yeah. The yeah. McGruff dog. The crime dog? Okay. With his trench coat. And yeah. Made, made, like, under his trench coat is a red rocket, apparently. Oh, no. <laughs> don't I laugh my ass off. Don't do this to me in my childhood. <laughs> uh, cool. That's fun. And Ashley, how about you? My week is good. I'm not going to see anything cool or crazy or haven't seen anything cool or crazy recently. Um, I'm still waffling on whether I should go see the live action Lion King in theaters or not. I don't, yes, I don't, Billy Eichner. Do I don't know if I'm ready to be heard again. I don't know if it's in me. I don't know if it should be considered live action. It's well, just CGI. It's a, yeah, it's but a it's, step it's being, up of animation. Yeah, it's being billed as the live action. I don't think they actually like use train lines. I know, I know. Yes. So, no, I'm just chugging along, eating popcorn. If you'll hear me crunching, I'm really sorry, but I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, no big deal. You're just moving out of state to your dream job. That's so boring. (laughs) Yes, I know, right? So boring. No, it really is my dream job, and I happened upon it by, like, the weirdest coincidence, like, cosmic alignment situation. I applied for this job probably a year ago and forgot that I applied for it and out of the blue they emailed me and were like hey uh you applied for this are you still interested and I was like I'm so not qualified sure let's let's do this and (laughs) now I've got it so there we go I'm pretty pumped and but I'm also just horrified that I have to leave my current house when I have no idea what house we're going to be moving to. There's nothing packed, really, except for all of my books. And I've got to sell a bunch of furniture and all that. So <sighs> one day I'll be done and be able to podcast from my new home. The house we're putting an offer in on. I have already figured out which room will be my podcast office. So, yes. Yay! <laughs> Let's get your priorities. Like, where you'll be recording. Oh, yeah. No, I like 100% walked into that room when we were with the realtor. And I was like, and this is where I'll be setting up for podcasting. <laughs> yes. So who wants to go first this week? Nat, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll take I, it. I think we'll we'll uh, get ours out of the way and then we'll let Kina go last because she's going to steal the show. So we're just going to be like her opening. Yes. I mean, you're really hyping it up. I'm just <laughs> talking about Arkansas. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I believe in you. So this week I have Spooky with Asylums and I think you don't even really need to spooky. Like I think I think Asylums just already are spooky. Like that's oh, just yeah. it. We all we all know they're haunted. We all know they're fucked up. Bad things have happened there. Book closed. You know, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, like every ghost hunter show ever, they're at an asylum. First yes. episode. Yep. Guaranteed ghosts. Ghost facers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to say that every time we talk about ghosts. Awesome. Ghost spacers. Anyways. So, I looked up some of the most haunted asylums in the world. That was Ooh. 
So just short, short and sweet little list. Uh, one being Danvers. It is probably one of the most famous in a way because it inspired H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham Sanitarium and Batman's Arkham Asylum as well. Awesome. There's, yes. It was also used as a movie set for Session 9. That's where Salem Village was. So there witch witches hung are all out there. This place is the shit with haunted stuff and looks super creepy and fucked up. Alright, so next up is Beechworth Lunatic Asylum, Australia. For 128 years of terror, 9,000 patients died there. That, Whoa! That's a lot. Is a lot. So needless to say, it's haunted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, real haunted. There, it's known to be um, faces in the windows, a matron doing rounds, and children laughing in footsteps. So, super creepy. Yikes. Next up is Trans Lunatic Asylum. It Ooh, was built in, there we go, yep, in the Civil War time. It was built for 250 people, but actually it had 2,400 people shoved in. So 250 to 2,400, that's a pretty drastic difference. Charles Manson was actually known to be there. There were experimentations, cages, people being lobotomized with ice picks, which sounds super comfortable. Sounds like a spa day. People chained. And so with it being haunted, during the Civil War time, there were ghosts of soldiers. And there was a few people, I think the name was Ruth, of one of the inmates or patients. Sounds like inmates, but patients, I it guess, is. with air quotes. They did, they did call them. Attack- yeah. Okay. They were. Uh, Ruth was known for attacking, attacking visitors. No. So be careful for Ruth when they're there. But the building is still open now. So right now there's actually war reenactments. Like Civil War people go there to reenact. Zombie games. um, Balls. Like a Cinderella ball. A party and everything. So events still actually happen there to this day. Which I have to admit I probably step a foot in there. Yeah. (laughs) I actually want to go. I know. I kind of do too. I'll wait in the car. Oh. <laughs> we'll get into it with my story, but like the asylum I'm doing, they're a part of this group called Kirkbride Asylums, and all the ones you're talking about, except for the Australian one, are Kirkbride. So they all would have looked exactly alike. So I want to go to one of these so that I can mm-hmm. understand, like, stand and what Arkansas would have looked like. Yes. Just oh my gosh. That would spoiler be spoiler so alert. Cool. Arkansas <laughs> yeah. But like, it would be really cool to go to one of these places and wear, like, a ball gown. Right? And get haunted. Probably not so much yeah. cool on that part, but yes. <laughs> uh, Anywho. Next up is Waverly Hill Sanatorium. It was mostly known for tuberculosis treatment, and there were experiments of course on the patients you know like there were 63,000 deaths oh wow that's a lot so if you thought 9,000 was bad let's multiply that by a little bit and let's get up to you know 63,000 
A known ghost there would be Timmy. Little Timmy with a ball. He's actually on tape. People have recorded him in the hallway. There was a nurse that hung herself in room 502. And another nurse that lived there. She jumped out of a window. Yikes. And you can see them sometimes. You can hear echoing screams in the distance and footsteps as well. So, super creepy. Oh, man. Next up is a psychiatric hospital. And I believe this one was in Korea. And it was known for dying mysterious deaths. People claimed that the doctors there were actually keeping the patients as hostages. And some doctors were even going just as insane as their patients, creating experiments on them and just horrendous stuff. But you know what? That didn't close the asylum. It closed for sewage problems in the building. So I think it's hilarious that that's what stopped them. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Another one is the Rolling Hills Asylum. They had handicapped people, orphans, widows, the criminals, alcoholics, other people with addictions. So a little bit of everybody. It was from 1827 and also had 1,700 deaths in there. And they have what's called the shadow hallway. And walking down there in the corners of the darkness, you can see faces and people standing there. So last one is the Narentrum. It's also, it's in Austria. It's the Fool Tower. It was built in 1784. It's actually one of the oldest asylums in Europe. It's now actually a museum. It has 4,000 abnormalities in there. That's cool. That is deformed fetuses in jars and wax models. Of untreated STDs. Yikes. No. No, no, thank you. That would be so fascinating to see. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really crazy, like, morbid kind of curiosity. Mm -hmm. But when I read the STD part, (laughs) it's a turn off. So (laughs) I'm going to pass on that one. I just picture Johnny Depp in The Libertine when his nose falls off from syphilis. Oh, yeah. That's so gross. Anyways, that was the last one on my list. So that is some fun little tidbits of some of your most haunted asylums in the world. Yes, I want to go to all of them because I have a wish to be haunted, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Some of them are really, like, condemned. Like, people sneak in there just to see if it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything, if I went to one of these condemned asylums to investigate, I would end up with, like, pneumonia from the black mold instead of getting haunted. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, like, Utica in New York. I think that oh, one is, like, look. condemned, and people sneak in there all the time to get videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool, but also, they're falling apart, so it's pretty dangerous. Don't yeah, do that. So- we are not condoning you sneaking into these places. And if you do, please be careful. There is an asylum in mm-hmm. Washington State that is a museum now. So you can actually go in that one. And if it is a Kirkbride institution, it's what all of them look like. So you can awesome. actually see them. I do. I wanted to intern there so bad, but I couldn't justify the price of 
living in Washington. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, what do you got, Ashley? Are you guys ready to answer this burning question of mine? Oh, yes. Always. This question is, were I alive in the 19th century when asylums were a big thing, would I have been committed? I don't know, because the diagnoses that they shoved people in were pretty vague. So it'd be whether or not Terry wanted to shove you in one. Short answer, (laughs) yes. Or who'd you piss you off? Exactly. So we are going to talk about some of the quote unquote symptoms slash conditions that would land a woman in a asylum in the United States in the 1900 or the 19th century. So I found this really amazing article in the Oshkosh Scholar by Catherine Puba and Ashley Tienan Tienan, called Lunacy in the 19th Century Women's Admission to Asylums in the United States of America. It is such a good read. Everyone needs to look it up and read it. You can actually look up scholarly articles through Google Scholar. And that's where I found it. And it's really interesting. But I'm just going to say just a little bit about it. So women faced many instances when their normal bodily functions, actions, or interests as women were considered abnormal or a symptom of insanity. Between the years of 1850 and 1900, women were placed in mental, mental institutions for behaving in ways male society did not agree with. Shocking, right? So Elizabeth Packard was one of these women, and women during this time period had minimal rights even concerning their own mental health. So just a little blurb about Elizabeth Packard. She is a really important example of the questionable institutionalization, that's a hard word, of women with the plight. Her full name is Elizabeth Parsons Ware Packard. Mrs. Packard was a teacher in Jacksonville, Illinois. She was the mother of six children, and when her husband committed her to the state hospital, he admitted her because she disagreed with his religious beliefs as a pastor. What the fuck? That's what I'm saying. This is up to Terry. Like, you could, like, sneeze and be like, ugh, you're insane. Like, put you in for no reason whatsoever. The devil made her do it. So, by having her (laughs) own religious opinion, Mrs. Packard stepped out of the boundaries of what was allowed for a woman at the time. And after two years in a state mental hospital as a sane person, or being ruled as a sane person, Mrs. Packard took her case to trial to prove her sanity. The court agreed with her, and in freeing her from the hospital, led to her efforts to divorce her controlling husband. So, good on her. She actually divorced her man because he put her in there. Hell yeah. But she could have just stopped there. Divorced, walk free and clear. She continued her battle for women's rights. Until her death, she fought for a married woman's rights uh, by lobbying in the state legislature and writing books about their rights and her personal fight. So, boss-ass bitch a little bit. Mm-hmm. The symptoms that would qualify a woman's need for admittance during these times would be considered controversial in present day, obviously, as, such as depression after the death of a loved one, use of abusive language, well, we're all fucked, <laughs> and suppressed <laughs> menstruation. These would all land you in there. And suppressed menstruation is a lack of a menstrual cycle. And these would all be accepted reasons. But here's the thing. You could be admitted to the hospital by your husband, your brother, your father, your male guardian in some way. And then after you were admitted, then the doctors would work with you and figure out a diagnosis that would keep you in there, which is horseshit. But yes, so I'm holding everyone to it now. 
don't let my husband throw me in an insane asylum. So to close it out, here is, because I told you I'm keeping it short this week, here is a list that is this beautiful table they included in this article I found of information about women admitted to Mendota Mental Asylum between 1869 and 1872. There's a 17-year-old who is insane by suppressed menzies because she doesn't have a period. There's a 50-year-old insane by religious matters. 39-year-old insane by religious fantasy. A 47-year-old who's insane by domestic troubles. There's insane by unknown cause, where they just go, oh, she's crazy, but we can't pinpoint it. So she got to stay. Heredity. What's the domestic troubles? That could be anything. She has 11 children. This is also their, the number of children they have. So she could have just been nuts because she had 11 kids in the house. Or she could have... I'm just thinking, like, she didn't make a sandwich. Yeah, it I mean, could it be. could have been. Yeah, it literally could have been like, I don't like the way she made the stew. Like, or I'm tired of her talking, so I want a new wife. Or that I've happened. got eyes for another lady, yeah. and the only way I can be with that lady is if my wife is insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So many up. things. A lot um, of times, the people that worked at the asylum, like the superintendents, they would end up committing their own wives because they'd be tired of them too. Yep. Yeah, the that time. is a big thing. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also instances in this paper of the like warden basically of one of the insane asylums that committed his own wife, and then he got in trouble for committing his own wife. But yeah, so some of the other reasons on this list are overexertion. Oh my god, <laughs> lock me like, up now. Right, yep. like she went a little too hard in the fields. We had to throw her away. <laughs> Abortion. Oh my god. Loss of property. Wait, what? what woman had property to begin with? That's what I wondered. She was forty years old. She was of Irish descent. She had ten kids. So, like, were the kids the property? Did she own land and then gave it to someone? Did someone steal her land? What happened? Mental excitement. (laughs) Childbirth. Childbirth would make me insane, too. Let's just put that out there. That one I understand. Postpartum. They would like you. Postpartum. They didn't know what it was. Yeah, my favorite story, the yellow wallpaper. She was locked up. The main character for postpartum depression and being locked up made her crazy. Mm -hmm. Spoiler. And then last but not least, nymphomania. (laughs) So she liked sex too much because, you know, Madonna horror complex, we cannot like sex. Therefore, she was made to be insane and put in this place. And no one really escaped that place except for a few. And it's really sad. And I didn't say this at the beginning, but my topic was actually morbid this week. And I think it's morbid that women could be placed in asylums just for like breathing wrong. Well, we were property. So yeah. I mean, it's literally been barely 100 years, you guys, since women were not property. Like, yeah. Yeah, this year has been like 100 years. It's insane to think about that. You had no rights. Yeah. And And if if you, you, like, listen to this and think I'm not a feminist, you're wrong. Yeah, but even if a woman, if you didn't have a male guardian, say your husband or your family die, you would still be thrown in one of these because you didn't have somebody. It's insane. It's yeah, it's like, really sad. A couple topics ago, we figured out that Kina and I would be burned as witches. Um, yep. 
this time, I think all of us at some juncture would be thrown into an insane asylum. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, that's all I got. I wanted to keep it short and sweet because I'm excited to hear Kina's topic. Oh, my God, you guys, I'm so excited. So mm-hmm. I know that I beat this dead horse that my thesis in grad school was uh, a state asylum. And I chose it because I wanted to mesh my psychology degree with my history degree, you know. Like a boss. But also, <laughs> I, just, I feel like I wasted all this time going to psych school and I didn't use it. So... <laughs> But I'm really excited. This is the first time ever that I can just read off a website because I made the website and it's not plagiarism. So what? I'm what? So if you wanted to go to ArkansasLunaticAsylum.wordpress.com, you can actually follow along with me, and then it has all the pictures. It's and beautiful. So a little summary. I did the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum as my thesis, and I started out. I mentioned few episodes ago that I started out with hysteria and then I stumbled on this asylum and I didn't know it existed and it was destroyed in 63 and it's like nobody ever talked about it again and all the documents photos everything about this place were just spread all over the state of Arkansas and nobody touched it I think one person did an article in like 93 but uh, it just kind of baffled me that this building that was like half the size of like Little Rock. <laughs> it was on a giant hill in Little Rock, which <laughs> it's not the biggest city in the world. I mean, let's be real. But for the city's size, you would have seen it from anywhere in this area. So I decided I wanted to do that. So if you go through my website, I do have a disclaimer that you do use words like lunatic and stuff like that, but that's just because I'm using it in historical context. I'm not using it to be, you know, crude or crass. Or to belittle any kind of mental illness. That's just the historic terminology at that time. But as the uh, asylum evolves, so does the terminology. So, like, mental health care, they both kind of touched on it. So, before the 1800s, mental illness was viewed as, like, superstition and demonic possession. So, the most famous asylum at this time was Bethlehem. If you think of the asylum where people are chained to walls and dark, cold rooms and just tortured, that's probably Bethlehem is what you're imagining. But, like, the enlightenment happened, and people are like, hey, maybe we should treat these people like people. Boy. And it was like this light bulb just went off, and people were like, huh, maybe Unheard we should of. do that. Nice. Right? And there was these two dudes, right? One was named William Tuke, and he was in England, and then there was Philippe Pinel, and he was in France. And at the same time, but not together, they both came up with this idea of what they called moral management, which is, let's take these people out of chains, you know, put them in an environment that's curative, where they can, like, go for walks, and talk to people, and have fresh air, and this will cure insanity. Which, think of it in terms today, (laughs) like, this was a groundbreaking medical discovery that you should treat people like people, which just baffles me. Well, I mean, to be (laughs) fair, like with mental institutions now, they don't really let you walk around in fresh air. Like I want to meet the one that does let you do that because like I've stayed in places that are similar and we definitely did not get to go walk the grounds and yeah. all that. Like one place has a courtyard that they'll let you go sit outside in if you're a smoker and I'm not a smoker. So I would just like pet the window and stare out at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this mostly happened in England, but then in the United States, 
there were the Quakers that were like, hey, I heard about this thing in Europe. So they went and visited and it was called the York Retreat. So they visited it and they took notes and they came back to Philadelphia and they're like, we're going to build one. So then they named the Friends Asylum in 1813-ish, which is uh, Benjamin Rush, who is one of our founding fathers. No big deal. cool. So, and then you get, like, later in 1841, Dorothea Dix, which I think a lot of people have heard of her. She purposely got herself admitted to asylum and then fought for asylum reform. So yeah, a lot of these queen. things. Yeah, so a lot of these, and she wrote a really great book, by the way, so you should read that. So a lot of these people are kind of setting the stage for this new wave of asylums in the United States and around the world, because it wasn't just here. But there was this dude called Thomas Kirkbride, and he decided that he wanted to take it a step further. So for moral management, he decided that the building itself could be a cure. So the buildings were designed, so you had like the center area that would be like a court, like courtyard inside, doctor's offices, everything for socializing. And then it would have these wings that went off to the side, and that'd be where the patients stayed. And like the louder patients would be at the end, so they don't disturb the quieter patients. It was like a whole thing. But they also had things like bowling alleys, canteens that had, like, booths and pie things. Like, crazy. And he decided he was going to write this book as, like, a blueprint. How to make an asylum in the United States. And it went over so well that they made it the actual official guide to building asylums. It was called On the Construction, Organization, and General Arrangements of Hospitals for the Insane. So, a mouthful. And uh, by the 19th century, over 69 asylums using this Kirkbride plan were built in the United States. And by 1883, almost every state had one except for five. And I bet you can guess that Arkansas was not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go to Arkansas. (laughs) So Arkansans were really frustrated because at this time there were no laws except for one that helped the mentally ill in the state. And it was called a pauper law that said that if you were mentally ill and your family couldn't take care of you, you were put in a jail in a poorhouse. Yikes. And these jails and poorhouses were overflowing. And people are like, this is inhumane. Every other state around us has something. We have to do something. So there were like newspaper articles, which I have a lot on this website. So you can actually see what people are writing. And it became such an issue that this state legislature was like, we have to do something or else they're going to start rioting, which Good on Arkansas to be like, we have to take care of our mentally ill. Yeah, that is quite shocking. Yeah, so it says they called attention to a great want and necessity for the state insane asylum, adding everyone is thoroughly convinced of the pressing need of such public charity and benefaction. So it does warm my heart a little bit that Arkansas was like, it was the people of Arkansas that made the change, not the government. And this is kind of rare for a lot of states because a lot of the states were just the government in charge. I wish Arkansas still had that energy. Right? And one of my favorite quotes, and uh, I have the newspaper article in here, but it says, we want a state lunatic asylum, and we ought to have it even if we have to mortgage the state house to get the money to pay for it. Which, yes. if you're not from Arkansas, the state house was our original uh, government seat of office, or capital, if you will. And a lot of them were aware of all the other asylums because newspapers Every time, like, somebody be admitted from Arkansas, there'd be an article about, like, such and such is in Kentucky now, working on her <laughs> health, you know? It was, so people were not, like, numb to this whole thing going on. Good. 
So the government does respond, and one of our legislators named H.M. McVeigh wrote this whole big thing, but the little snippet of it is, Asylums ought to be established without delay. It is disgrace to the state that her lunatics and insane person should have to be confined in her jails and penitentiary along with criminals. So finally, in 1873, somebody was like, we need to stop putting the mentally ill in jails. It's cruel, and it's not, it's not a good look. So at this time, they were like, okay, we got to do something. And it did pass in 1873 on January 11th that there would be a state-funded asylum. State-funded and ran, which is a big deal, which means the state itself was paying for everything. But uh, if anybody knows anything about Arkansas, we were pretty poor. And Act 66 appropriated $50,000 with an additional 10000 a year for expenses. But in 2018, when I wrote this, that was $1 million and then $210,000 a year. Wow. That's a lot of money. It is. That's a 2003% inflation rate. Jesus. <laughs> I can do math. But the push for Arkansas, like an asylum, had a really difficult start because construction halted. Because of political corruption, an empty treasury, and the 1870 Brooks-Baxter War, which Arkansas had a really rough time post-Civil War. The Reconstruction Era was one of the hardest in Arkansas because we were already poor. And then you had all these corrupt politicians. And one of the biggest things is that people were building a railroad through Arkansas, but they didn't have the money to pay for it because they were you know, funneling money into their own pockets. So one of the fun facts that came out of that is Arkansas is the only state in the country that cannot spend money unless they have it in cash. So right now, Arkansas can never go broke because they can't buy anything without having the money pay for it. And this stemmed from this era. Huh. That's interesting. Right? They they have that rule now. It's in our constitution. Or yours. I'm not there anymore. But Natalie's because I won't be there anymore. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) So with that money, it wasn't enough to really do anything, but they did buy 80 acres of land, which if you're in Arkansas would be Markham, where UAMS is today. Oh. And they bought it for $16,000, which is about 354000 today, which is 80 acres. That's, That's a lot of inflation. That's a pretty good chunk of land. It is. <laughs> and uh, long story short, I have a lot of things about like the governors and what they said, but uh, nothing happened. So they bought this land, nothing happened. So there's this guy called Dr. P.O. Hooper, and he's a notable Arkansan. He's one of the founders of UAMS Hospital, which is one of the bigger hospitals in the entire state. And he recognized the sad plight of the mentally ill, and he said they were incarcerated like criminals, and he decided he was going to take it upon himself to make this happen. So one dude was like, I got this. So he got authorization from the government to tour the United States and look at everybody else's asylums and then take notes. And he's like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to report to you and tell you what's going on. So he went to Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Ohio, Indiana, and Missouri. Awesome. And he came back fired up and he's like, got a plan. This is going to happen. So <laughs> he shows up and he's like, all right. So bad news is we need $150,000 to build this thing. And they were like, we don't got that kind of money. But uh, he was like, we're going to do this. We need to do a Kirkbride plan because that's what everybody else is doing. It works. Everybody's happy. People are treated humanely. Arkansas's got this. We got to do it, too. So Governor W.H. Miller vetoed the first bill 
and then decided that to veto it would allow them to give new money. And things started kind of going from there. They appropriated the uh, $150,000, like you said, and construction started immediately. So a lot of things with the Kirkwood plan is that you have to have a plot of land that has water because you have to have enough water to put out fires and have bathing and all that good stuff. So they decided that the land that it was on was going to work. They started building it, and they used a architect that built three other Kirkbride asylums. Oh. Okay, so the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum ended up being a four-story building. The administration building was 63 feet long and 140 feet deep, with an elaborate tower that was 120 feet. The central building, there was wings that protruded diagonally on both sides, and they were different lengths, so there was like four-story, three-story, four-story, two-story, three-story, but these gigantic wings, and this is on both sides. So it was just very ominous and took over the whole thing. And uh, five million bricks were laid for this building. I thought that was a cool little figure. Oh, it's a lot. And... This whole idea of the whole outstretched wings is that they thought light would cure you. So there was windows lining each hallway so they'd have natural light. Um, They also thought the fresh air, so it had a ventilation system. And this is one of the first buildings that had a heating and cooling system. So it had the most precise heating and cooling of any asylum at that time. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most of the asylums are set up where you had a superintendent, you had a matron, and then you had two doctors and then a bunch of nurses and stuff. And like I mentioned before, it was pretty, pretty interesting that the first superintendent, his wife became the matron. And then all of a sudden she was admitted to the hospital and never got out. So that's a little sketchy, but awfully convenient. Yeah. (laughs) Convenient. You're already here. Hop on in. (laughs) But on March 1st, 1883, which is 10 years after the first time somebody was like, Hey, we should build one of these. It finally opened. The first patient was admitted by legislative order, and it was a woman. Shocker. Shocker. (laughs) And my thesis, up until this point, nobody had actually said that they did moral management as the treatment plan. So my thesis is proving that they did. I'm not going to bore you with all those details. But because of the Kirkbride plan and their treatment plans, I was able to connect the dots and be like, first person to say it happened. Sweet. Technically, I am the world's foremost scholar in this building. I know more than anybody in the world, which is sad. Hell yeah, you do. (laughs) Queen. Yeah. Yay. So when you first came into this asylum, you were uh, examined by two doctors. And then you were given a diagnosis. And then that diagnosis would give you a treatment plan. And then that would also say where you're going to stay. So if you were somebody that was kind of dangerous, you'd be put in a smaller cell-ish kind of thing. If you're somebody that wasn't as dangerous, you would have a roommate. And they weren't big rooms either, but they would also tell you which part of the wing you'd be at. So if you were dangerous and loud, you'd be at the far end where nobody could hear you scream. So Awesome. <laughs> it's so funny because they write it to be like super nice. Like, we're doing this for you. It's okay. Yeah. For your own good. For your own good. So at this asylum, they didn't have medications at this time. So they... Went away from the traditional, you know, bloodletting, confinement, restraints, and all that. And they decided that a highly regimented system of activities is what they would use to treat people. So, these activities included body grooming, dining, dances. They have, like, balls. Huh. Um, conversing with physicians. So, this is, like, a precursor to talk therapy. 
They had exercising, recreational events, art, educational activities, and the entire building was made to, like, make this happen. So each wing had room, like a common room. They had a craft room, a sewing room. They had a hydrotherapy room. They had different areas that you could go in to, like, stimulate your mind. And wow. Whatnot. It had beauty salons, barbers, multiple dining areas, a swimming pool, and they had courtyards that had trails for prescribed walks. And then they also had a game room, a bowling alley, and then the canteen I talked about. And I was so fascinated by this canteen because nobody had ever talked about it. And then I found the floor plan that showed them building it. And it had a soda fountain, a pie case, a malt dispenser, a fudge warmer, which... Yo. Real talk. When when you defend your thesis, you have to go in front of a bunch of people on a panel and then convince them that you're smart enough and you should get your degree. And one of my panel guys was so fascinated by the fudge warmer, he just kept asking about it. It's like, what is a fudge warmer? How big is it? Where where did it go? And I was like, I didn't get that far into that, dude. But <laughs> it also had coffee makers. They had refrigerated sandwich units. Ooh. And then it was also kind of styled like a 50s diner. But this is the 1880s. So this is way before 50s diner style even existed. So. Huh. And then annual reports that I got my hands on talked about music and games. So they had occasional dances. So there was newspaper articles about how all the lunatics got together for a cute little dance, you know, co-ed dance and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Hydrotherapy was a big thing. If you've ever been to any of those buildings that do like spas where you're sitting in those like tubs with electricity and stuff, totally not healthy to shoot electricity in there, but... They really thought it would help. I don't know how many people died, but... I think what would help would be the fudge. <laughs> the fudge. Real you talk. Okay. If you get electrocuted, who cares? Because you can't I mean, makes me happy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for me in the asylum, I'm over by the fudge warmer. <laughs> and it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. There was a dark side to this. They did decide... Was it dark arc- fudge? Dark chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little darker. They decided that occupational therapy i'm using quotations was also a treatment but that meant manual labor (laughs) so they would put you to work if you're a woman you'd be doing laundry you would be you know in the gardens you'd be doing things around the asylum if you're a man they would send you to work in like cow pastures to do like the milk production they grew their own food and had their own milk and stuff but it was hard manual labor And the superintendent said the manual work done by the patients in and around the hospital is for their mental and physical well-being. So Mm -hmm. they justified all this extreme work. It's the same work they would have done at the penitentiary for the uh, prisoners. Yeah. Chain gang kind of stuff. Male patients also worked as woodworkers, maintenance and carpenters while the females did food processing and they also sewed. Um, One cool thing is the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum. The patients actually mended the uniforms during World War One. So it was like a mass production thing that they would sew it and send it off to the soldiers. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Not for them. They're being forced to do Forever. labor. But they also said that patients who participate in daily outwork, outdoor work have better health, better appetite, and rest better at night. And they're more manageable. Yeah, because they're fucking tired. Yeah, and they're <laughs> drugged up. <Yeah. laughs> well, they weren't drugged at this time. They were just oh, worked to just death. Kidding. Yeah. Awesome. This Even is better. Still- this is like before in the 1900s. They're just worked to the point they pass out of exhaustion. 
And they're like, it's working. They can't talk back because they're asleep. (laughs) How to cure a sassy mouth. Give them a shovel. And the thing I feel kind of sketchy is around 1919, they decided they were going to expand this farming operation and then bought like 150 acres of land. But then all of a sudden, the government was like, can't do this anymore. They sold the land, stopped it within like a week. Nothing in government happens that fast. So something sketchy had to have happened. I know there were some murders and some like weird stuff like that, but if anybody's out there looking for a thesis project, you need to do these work farms because there's something here. I just yeah. didn't have time to get there, you know. But you know, this whole optimism of moral management was very fleeting because you know, psychology and psychiatry actually became a thing, and they're like, hey, we can give you medications, and you know, more than fresh air will cure you. So <laughs> the uh, asylum, as we know it, was. It wasn't needed anymore. But a lot of these asylums were built to fit either 150 or 250 people, kind of like what you said, Natalie. But the need for them got to, like, the thousands. So all these buildings were just exploding with people. They were falling apart. It wasn't really working. They were overcrowded from the first month. So they're constantly building and building and building, but it's just, it led to the downfall. None of them could keep up with the demand. So it started with 150, and by 1912, it was at 1,700. And then by the time this asylum was destroyed, it was around 6,000 people. Wow. Also, it evolved. The name changed a lot. So it was the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum. And then by 1901, people were like, that's not nice. So then they called it the Arkansas State Hospital for Nervous Diseases. And then they were like, that's also not nice. So then by 1933, it was the Arkansas State Hospital, which it is today. Uh, 1957 is when they canceled all the farm operations because we're like, that's not legal. Let's Mm -hmm. cut that shit out. And then in the 50s is where it peaked almost at 6,000 people. And then in 1963, they were like, we got to tear this shit down. Trying to remember if I wanted to say anything else. I'm not being funny. I'm just being edu- like scholarly right now. Uh, okay. So around 1963, they couldn't keep up with the upkeep of these buildings, but it's also the height of the deinstitutionalization movement, which JFK was a big proponent of that. So a lot of the asylums were being closed and they were going into more community-based care, which is more like what you would have experienced, um, Ashley, when you yeah, were there. Yeah. Um, the Supreme Court actually in Arkansas had this big case called Lindsay versus White, where the hospital was like, we want to buy this land, so we need to tear this shit down because we're going to build a hospital here. So there was a whole lot of thing, but the hospital ultimately led to the asylum being torn down. Uh, so in 1963, it was gone, bulldozed, and then there was also a branch hospital that is in Benton where Ashley lives I know where that is. Yeah, but (laughs) it actually stayed there. And there were some rumors. Okay, so with asylums, if people threw people in there and then no longer contacted them, if they died, they'd be thrown in pauper graves. So in Little Rock, it was behind the asylum, which is where 630, the road is now. (laughs) (laughs) And then supposedly all the bodies were moved to Benton, but a lot of people are like, there's no actual documentation. But if you think about it, they were mentally ill. Nobody knew who they were. Did they actually move everybody? So I'm interested. They are tearing up 630 right now to redo it. 
and they're about to get to where the hospital is now. So I'm wondering if they're going to find something they don't want to find. If they're going to find people under there. But I've been telling people. I told the highway department. I was like, there is a huge possibility you're going to find a grave under yeah, there. But be aware. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> listens to me. So if you see it in the news, let me know that I'm right. Kina was right. <laughs> but I also, during all this research, I went to the state hospital that's today. So in 2008, they moved back to where it used to be. They bought a smaller building. And when I was talking to a bunch of people, I made a joke about how it's probably haunted because all the shit that went down there. And they were like, oh, hell yeah, it is. They said one building is so haunted that nobody will go in there. So they throw the criminally insane in there. Yep. It's pretty cool. I have the website. I have like a forum going. So I've got a lot of people that email me and talk about how their loved ones or great, great whatevers were there. And uh, it's pretty cool. Got a whole lot of things. But like I said in the beginning, everything was lost in 63. They just kind of either destroyed all the documents or they got lost in archives. I spent, you know, like five hours a day for like a year in archives digging up old documents and pictures and so now it's on the internet and everybody can enjoy it. It's awesome. <laughs> it looks wonderful. And we will definitely share the link to that. Instead of just showing a couple pictures of it, we'll I'll send the, uh, when I do the post on Sunday with the pictures, we'll also include that link so everyone can go to it and look at it in all its glory. See my, my uh, blood, sweat, and tears and meltdowns because there Loss. was a lot of those. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I had somebody email me yesterday. Be like, oh, cool. My great-grandpa was there. Can you look up his stuff? And it's like, uh, those don't exist, but... <laughs> I can try. She was like, I, I just want to see him in the patient book. And I'm like, the patient logs for that year don't exist. She's like, are no. you sure? And I'm like, I spent a year and a half looking through these. They don't exist, I promise. Yeah, big move. Um, it's pretty exciting. It's Like I said, it's really cool to see other asylums that are still, you know, surviving today. Because they all would have looked identical because they have that specific blueprint. So it's That's exciting. Awesome. I want to go to a lot of them because I'm like, I spent years of my life working on this. It'd be cool to like walk into one and be like, this is it. That would be very <laughs> cool. Yeah. We should definitely go to the one that throws balls and look around. Yeah. Well, the one in Austin is still standing and it's the actual state hospital right now. So it's still functioning, but oh, cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But yeah, they bulldozed Arkansas to the ground. And I, I heard that some people that worked in security took some of like the metal and made it into like an art piece or something. It was, huh. but yeah, nothing survived it. Oh, wow. Which you can see on the website in the 60s. The building was literally falling apart. It looked horrible. And, uh, but you know, state hospitals up and running again. And, uh, same thing. They're overcrowded and underpaid and they can't. You know, it's the thing with mental health everywhere. Nobody has enough money and the capacity and the room to help as many people as they can. Of course. So that sucks. But although if you're from the Arkansas State Hospital, sorry, because they don't like me talking about it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> sorry, bro. Well, they're just like, they're like, we have a lot of bad press right now. So we're really yeah. hoping that you would say nice things. Like, I'm like, I'm a historian. I say the truth. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, on that happy note. God, I know. It's, I feel like it was really boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't boring. This was just a really sad episode. <laughs> yeah, or just really factual. Yes, yeah, very factual. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Mental illness is one of those things like you can't really crack jokes about because it was yeah. so misunderstood and so many people suffered and it's really sad. 
Yeah, and I mean, it still is. And, and mental health has just such terrible roots. And yeah, you know how I feel about all that. So yeah, yeah that, that concludes. I just feel like the bright shining thing is at least Arkansas like had the intention of actually helping people. So yeah. that made me feel really good. That, I know they that. had a fudge warmer. They did. They had yes. and bowling alleys. Like... There's yeah. the floor plans are on the website too, but like the whole center of one wing was a giant swimming pool. They must have had a good old time. Oh man, that's like, awesome. I mean, I'm like, I, I wouldn't mind going there. Yeah, go talk. <laughs> Look like a good time. Yeah. Must be a spa day. It's true. It's true. Talk. And a barber. You could have like your hair did. Yeah, dude. That would make me feel fudge. a little better. Get my hair did, eat some fudge, go for a swim. And they had pie. Bowling. I like pie. Hi, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, but good old good old time. In a malt dispenser. What? what? I didn't even know they had those in the nineteenth century. So I didn't either. That's cool. <laughs> Out of all of that, that's what we learned. <laughs> yes. We have to grasp onto the good things. You know, it's funny. I I've done this like speech several times and everybody always goes back to the food. Like the pie, the malt. <laughs> I guess Humanity. because in darkness there was at least some good, you know. Yes, true. That's yeah. true. With the activities and all the good food. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so. I guess that concludes uh, our first week of asylums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tune in next week for another exciting, happy time of asylums. <laughs> well, one of us has got to do funny. I don't remember who it is, but that'll be a challenge. <laughs> so. I have a feeling it's me, but I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. Oh, yeah, mine was historical AF. I never said that, but yeah. Mine's random. Next week. Next week's mine's random. Oh, yes. Okay. I, we'll figure it out by next week, guys. Don't don't mind us. Trust we us. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you listen to this and you're like, I need more, go to Patreon. www.patreon.com slash historical AF pod to get extra content. And I know we're always talking about it. The deleted scenes, the drunk dives. Got one of those so coming funny. up. The Q&As. <sighs> Man, I never laugh as hard as I do listening to our drunk dives. Real talk. We don't remember what we said. It's, it's a surprise to us. <laughs> but yeah, go in there and check out the tiers. It's anything from $2 to 20 and you get a lot of cool stuff. And if you are one of the next seven people to join, you get some extra stuff. We got stickers and you get letters and you get a a gift from each of our respective states since Yay. we are now the tri-state queens of TMI. Yes, we are spanning three states, and it's awesome. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> if you have listener stories that you want to send to us, funny things that happened in your family, ghost stories, is your house haunted like mine? Do you have a cool legend from your town that you want us to talk about and investigate? Send it to us at historicalafpod at gmail.com Yeah, while you're at it, join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at historicalafpod. We post a lot of cool stuff, so like with our merch site, we'll tell you when there's discounts, we'll tell you when things are going up, so if you want the uh, 411 on what we're doing. Yeah, sometimes uh, keep an eye on our Instagram stories, and we will uh, open up the floor to questions and answer them personally and all that. We love interacting with you guys. So, 
Yeah. And speaking of merch, if you would like to buy some of ours, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And we have cool stuff. We even have bandanas for your dog. That's right. Your yeah. dog or cat. We don't discriminate. Not at all. <laughs> And if you forgot everything we said, you can just go to historicalafpodcast.wordpress.com and everything is on there. Yes. Links to all your favorite platforms to listen to us, all of our pictures, all the descriptions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, we will be coming to you next week with second week of asylums and have a great week. Bye. 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 <laughs>